Hello gang folks, welcome back. Um, Peter and I, uh, last episode, were uh, having a conversation about identity and, and uh, Peter has shared in many places and many occasions uh, about identity, destiny and um, security in Christ. And uh, it's, occurred, it's occurred to us that as we want to try and um, bring content to you that uh, helps stimulate thought and seeking Jesus and being prepared missionally, that uh, we might just go back to some of what's actually written on our website. <clears throat> if you haven't actually been there, there's uh, on our website, www.starfishholes.com.au, uh, there's a little tab, Who We Are, and under there, it has our purpose, vision, and values. Now, most of us in the local churches would may not have even been to that page. Uh, that doesn't mean we're naughty. It's just that you know values are a funny thing because um, we, we all have things that we value that we may or may not be able to articulate. Uh, but in, in, in revisiting them or thinking about them, it helps shape and refine some of what we uh, get out of our values. And, and even in our family, we've just finished this morning. Uh, 24 family values that we've done uh, every day for the last I'm not sure how long and uh, you know it's just it's just good to be able to remind ourselves that um, from from the word of God and from uh, what we know about God um, through it and in it that he has uh, values for us that that give us freedom and uh, that show us who we are in him and help us to live as he would want us to live on the earth and so if you've gone back there and you've seen that and you read that, that's fantastic. If you haven't, then we're just going to continue looking at some of those things that uh, bring out um, an understanding, if you like, of those values that help us be equipped for doing God's work. Um, so we, we looked last time at living out of our, our identity as sons and daughters of the King, reproducing spiritual children out of their being in Christ. What, what, what more would you add from last time, Peter, that you think is important for us to, to dwell on? Well, last time we looked at how we live in a performance-oriented world and yet with Jesus, Jesus comes and gives an acceptance that is outside of our performance. That That is the most refreshing good news ever, Joppo. Say, say that again. Jesus comes and brings an acceptance that is outside of our performance. Yeah. Because we can never perform our way into a relationship with the Father. Yeah. And conversely, uh, we are never more loved than we are right now. Yeah. In other words, there's there's no there's no habit or ritual that I can do that will make him love me more. There's no sin that I can get rid of that will have him more uh, endeared towards me. He is already totally one hundred percent endeared towards me. I'm going to throw something in there that I I really like that I think is quite challenging and, and pertinent in this. And it's a statement actually made by a Lutheran professor. He said. Even when you're forgiven, sorry. Even when you make the right choice, you're forgiven. Yeah, because we're not determined. We're not accepted more because we've made the the best choice. Exactly. Um, we think he's there to save us from the bad choices we make, but he's there for us. Precisely in everything. Yeah. And so we were looking at Luke 19 and Zacchaeus last time. How acceptance leads to identity. When we know that our truest identity is as a son and daughter of a loving Heavenly Father, it's the most liberating thing in the world. It frees us from a life of religion and religiosity, which is about doing things, because we are human beings, not human doings, and we are loved for who we are, not for what we produce or what we do. So what, what we see uh, further in this account of Jesus with Zacchaeus, firstly, we see that acceptance leads to identity. Yeah. Secondly, we see that belonging leads to believing. Yeah. 
And I want to address this because the performance myth can have us assuming that if I believe properly and if I think rightly, then I can belong. But that's not what happens with Jesus and Zacchaeus. We saw about the divine must. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house today. And Zacchaeus hops down and was happy to welcome him. Everyone else grumbles and says, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. And right at the end, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Yeah. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What happened in there that had Jesus making the statement that Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham? Zacchaeus's believing came about because of his belonging. Is, is it true to say that in there that to be a son of Abraham is to have faith? It was, was he highlighting a genealogical not, fact not, or was not, he highlighting not, something else? Not at all. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, um, I, think it's, I think I'm just going from memory here, Joppo, that in Genesis 15 that it says, God says of Abraham that Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yeah, and yeah. It's, talking about, it's talking about his faith. So God chose Abraham and he selected him and he said, Abraham, you're my man, go out, have a look at the sand, have a look at the stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And Abraham knew that God was his God, even though he made other plans along the way. Yeah. And out of that sense of belonging, God saying, I'm not going to let you down. Abraham, it was able to be said of him, was a great man of faith. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house today. He goes, he hangs around with Zacchaeus. And out of that, Zacchaeus now experiences um, a belonging that leads to him believing. Why am I highlighting this? I'm highlighting this that as our identity is in the love of the Father and the radical acceptance that we have through Jesus, we, we are then freed from this performance myth and we are freed to actually do the same in the lives of others that Jesus has done to us, that there's a divine must. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in your life. No matter how messy your life is, no matter how much you stuff up, I'm there and I'm with you. I don't have to have any solutions. I don't have to have any answers. I don't have to give you the four spiritual laws. But I am in your life as someone who knows whose he is. And because I know whose I am, I know who I am. Whose am I? I'm the Heavenly Father's. Who am I? I'm a daughter or I'm a son of the Heavenly Father. So now, to whom am I sent? Well, wherever I go in life, I go as a person who is accepted and has an identity. And when I go into people's lives, they experience in me a sense of belonging that is palpable and uh, that that has them that has them feeling unafraid around. They know that they're not going to get a religious sermon. They know that they're not going to get any, you should be, you must, you have to, well, if you've done this, or have you been reading your Bible more, or why didn't you, or last time we were together I said this and you didn't do that. Yeah, they don't get any of that. They get belonging. Jesus, everyone grumbled because Jesus went to the wrong bloke's house. What would the kingdom of God look like if you and I and others were in the lives of people who 
who, who the world thinks have no hope, and we were there with the same radical acceptance that we've received, and we gave them a sense of belonging without worrying about what they believe. Craig, we just get so precious that people believe the right thing. Yeah. And in, in, <clears throat> in our preciousness about them believing the right thing and them getting it right, we actually give them the message, you don't belong until you believe properly. Mm-hmm. But what if we what if we could leave the belief side of it to God and we give them the radical belonging and out of the radical belonging, they come to a belief. So I want to go back to a verse that I shared last time again and just remind us of the order of things. And that's John 1, 12, 11 says, Jesus came to his own and his own people did not accept him. Now listen to the order. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave authority to become children of God. So firstly, it's people receiving him. Then out of that reception of his heart, his love, his faithfulness, his constancy, his consistency, his generosity, his goodness, uh, all of those things which we sum up in one word, grace, uh, as we receive that, then we grow in a belief of who he is. And that belief isn't a cognitive, rational understanding. It's a heart response to the acceptance of received. And out of that heart response to the connection I've received, I go, wow, wow, this God is for me. That That is amazing. Mm. It just it just occurs to me that, especially in the cultural environment that Zacchaeus would have been in, where the high watermark of spirituality was the pharisaical expression of godliness, that in his... Do this, do this, do this, and do it rightly. That's right. In, and in, be seen to be doing it. Yeah, that's right. In his lack of performance, he was chosen by God. Yeah, and and so my my the the context there is simply to say, um, it would be interesting to see how he ministered and witnessed from that point on, in regard to his uh, projection onto other people of any feeling of having to do certain things to be accepted. You know, he he would have been abased of any feeling of, you know, you've got to do if you do this and you do this and do this. That's how I kind of. I drew Christ attention to me. There would be none of that. And yet if a if a Pharisee had come to faith in Christ Jesus, there's a lot of baggage he would have had to have undone. You know, you can get the boy out of the country, you can't take the country out of the boy, you know. And and to many of us listening to this, we are those people for whom there's a lot of baggage to be undone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and for many of us, that baggage is in our own family. I know there are people who are listening to this who have got children who don't necessarily hold the same worldview of faith or biblical worldview that, that we do, and and that upsets us. And the temptation for us as mums and dads, because we love deeply, is to try and impress upon our kids the right things to believe. Yeah, uh, It's a very insidious thing, because even in trying to impress upon teenagers or young adults the right thing to believe, the subliminal message we are giving them is, you don't properly belong unless you believe these right things. So the invitation I give to us who are mums and dads in this is what if what if over a two or three year period we practiced radical belonging? That doesn't mean accepting as our worldview everything that our kids have embraced as their worldview, but what it does mean is don't try and change their behavior or their belief system in such a way that it gives them the message I will love you more when you dot, dot, dot. Yes, yeah, tricky territory, Peter, because, you know, what comes to mind straight away is um, 
you know the the, the parable of the, the parable the story of the women caught caught in adultery and Jesus does bring a um, a standard to to desist from that action and go and sin no more. Yeah, but he's but, still he's still there's still belonging that she yeah, receives. Yeah, yeah, but but let's get the order of thing. All right, I hear what you're saying, Joppo, and that's a brilliant example. He says to her, "Go and sin no more." After he has shown her the most radical acceptance, yeah, because he actually stood between her and the stones. Yeah, that's right. So at, at her very worst, when she was ready to be killed by the people who were evaluating her performance, and she had fail written all over her, Jesus stepped in and said, "Well, you know." Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. So that, that's something actually for the for the next uh, for the next session. Yeah. But uh, I just invite us, you know, spirit being a spiritual mother and father is not a title, nor is it a position, but it's a disposition. Mm-hmm. And we we father and mother others in the kingdom as we live out of our truest identity. Yeah. So I know that I am a spiritual father in the lives of a few people who have said to me. Peter, will you journey with me for this period of time and uh, as, as a spiritual dad? And I say yes. But I also know that I'm a spiritual dad to many, many people. Whenever people hear me speak, it's like uh, for, for a period of time while those words are ringing in their ears, I'm a father <coughs> figure in their life. And so it's not a title that I have agreed to be, but it's someone who I am because of a relational span of time. And so the point that I'm making out of that is is spiritual fathering and mothering is more about living out of our identity and bringing to people that sense of belonging that will lead to believing than it is about a title or a role. It's, yeah, it's, pro- it's probably worthwhile reflect. I mean, I'd like to put it back into concrete terms, and that is, you know, as, as a dad, I, I should roughly have a fair bit of my stuff sorted out so that as my children grow and find their feet and bring reason to their own convictions and get equipped for life, that uh, I can be the stable influence. I can be. I can input wisdom. I can. I can give myself. I can. You know, serve them rather than have them try and serve me for my ambitions. Yeah, that's uh, good. Ambitions. Job. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Peter. Uh, you never quite tell where we're going to end up, but uh, the main thing is that we continue to um, help you think about things that lead you to the way, the truth, and the life in Christ Jesus. See you next time, folks. <laughs>